from the WILK studios in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Sharing Recovery, first-hand stories of addiction and recovery. Recovery is possible. Sharing Recovery is sponsored by Clearbrook Treatment Center, Archstone Recovery, and attorney Dave Akins. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And hello and welcome to Sharing Recovery. We spread messages of hope and help and healing. Sharing Recovery is a phenomenal show because we take guests who have been pretty much through the worst in their lives. Um, Some who are addicted, some who are going through recovery, and others who have lost loved ones going through recovery. So thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon. I'm Suzanne Kelly and I'm joined by co-host Jack Kropp, who recently celebrated over 19 years of recovery. And we thank that. That is phenomenal. We have two very special guests with us today. We have Marty Hottenstein and we also have Valerie Fior, and they're both from the Philadelphia area. Their stories are equally remarkable because both have suffered tremendous loss and heartbreak in their lives. But what they did is they used that pain and that suffering and that extreme heartache to do good. And they, they actually use this to to found um, to find the Save a Life Foundation, which is, is Marty. Marty's an advocate and founder of Carl's Law in honor and memory of her son. And Valerie is an advocate and driver of Anthony's Act. So we're going to hear their stories, and we welcome you to call us at 570-883-0098. You can also send us a, a question or a text. You can go on to at Sharing Recovery Radio on Facebook or Sharing Recovery Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to you, Marty and Valerie. How are you? We're good. How are you? We're doing, we're doing very well. Uh, first of all, how cold is it down in Philly? We're in negative digits up here. Yeah, we're, we're, it's really cold. It's really, really cold. Too cold for me. I want to go to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but in Florida, it's you know they've, they've got their own challenges going on down there as well. Yeah, 50 That's okay, de- I'll take them. Yeah. yeah, 50 degrees is cold in Florida. <laughs> well, I'll take it. Yeah. Marty, so if we could please start with you. Um, you know, we, we have information, of course, on, on Carl's Law. We have information on, on the Save a Life Foundation. But would you please start with telling us a little bit about your son? We'd love to hear about him. Let's hear the background. And his background. Okay, well, um, first of all, my son came to me in 2006 and told me that he was addicted and i was i'm still in aa i was and i had about 20 years at the time and i thought wow this is really great my son's going to go to meetings with me and he's just going to go get help and everything's going to be okay yeah and that was not the case um he went to Warminster Hospital, and they told him he wasn't bad enough because he did not graduate to heroin. He was on painkillers from an accident, and that overseeded into addiction. How old was um, he, Marty, when he came to you and, and said that he was he was an addict? 24. He died six weeks later after Jesus. seeking treatment. Wow. So with that, um, he went to another success. His... Um, Rent was paid. His dog was at his nephew's. His bags were packed, and he called me on a Tuesday at four thirty-two, crying, saying, "Mother, mom, I'm going to die." So, 
die. And I said, Mother, Mom, I'm going to die. And I said, no, you're not, Carl. We're going to get through this. And um, six weeks later, I found my child dead. Um, he bought methadone off somebody that worked for him. And he was trying to detox himself. Mm. And um, October 22nd, I walked into his apartment and I found him lying there on his mattress bed. Um, my life stopped there. And I couldn't breathe. I remember I just thought it was a dream. And for a while I couldn't function. I could not function. I could not get out of bed. I only cried. I wanted to die. I probably did die the day I found my son dead. However, my son's birthday was coming up and I wanted to um, do something in honor of his name. So we gathered all of our money together. My grandfather was still alive. My dad was still alive. My dad died 11 months after my son died and everybody gathered the money and we were going to do a scholarship once a year for my child and remember Carl. And I contacted Living Grin and um, they were on board and they called me, we gave them money and they called me and I said, we have a case just like Carl, we think it would be good for you to go down to the hospital um, and help the mom and bring the child to Living Grin. So I had done that. And as I was putting my first person in treatment, I was really angry and I asked God, why couldn't I save my own child and why I would save them someone else's child? And I cried the whole entire way home. And I, I was screaming on top of my lungs. To lose a child, I cannot um, describe to you the belief that this may, the disheartening, the will not to want to live anymore. I can't describe it to you. And I don't expect you to understand that. However, um, I went home and I started to scream. And I heard, like, in my head that song, How to Save the Ladies, and that I heard, there'll be more calls and you're to take them. And lo and behold, people started to call me. And since up today, today, from 2007 until 2018, we've helped over 5,000 people get into treatment for their addiction disorder. And I believe um, I'm in AA myself, and I was always taught that the antidote to heal from anything is to help others. Yes. So it's, it's like this, it goes, trust God, clean house, help others. See, and how to save a life, <laughs> excuse me, help me and save my own life. Marty, if I may please ask you, your son, how did he get addicted? Was it was it an injury? Was it recreational use? How did that start? Well, I don't think that it was his car accident, but now as I really <coughs> look back, I think that Carl did get the gene of me and his father. And so I want to believe that it was due to an accident that he had, but as the longer... I investigate and help people. I don't know. 
I don't know anymore. Okay. I believe that, yeah, he got in a car, he got in a truck accident, and the truck rolled on him, mm. and they gave him Percocet. Do I want to believe that? Yes, but I'm not going to lie on your show. Now that it's been 11 years that my son passed, um, I believe it's some multiple things. And, and um, it's just heart, it, the whole thing was just a heart-wrenching story. But, but when I'm out there and I'm on the streets of Philadelphia and I'm putting somebody in treatment, yeah. my soul comes alive. My spirit rises again. So I don't get paid to do this, but I do because I get another day yeah. sober and I get another day alive. And people don't understand that. Now, I work in the field two days a week, and I have a cleaning company. But that allows me to work for How to Save a Life for free. Do you understand? Yes. And yep. I never want to put a dollar on this because this is in, in the name of our children. This is not trade in flesh for flesh, money for this patient. This is in the name of our children. And in fact, we just started another group that's been off of how to save a life, still save my child's name for parents who have lost a child, who can go on Facebook, who can come and seek help and be able to talk about those gut raw wrenching feelings. Because I was supposed to be a lawyer, and I turned around, and I went to LaSalle, and I became a psychotherapist and my master's in psychology from LaSalle University. So my blueprint basically went to hell after my son died. Yeah. But I found a beautiful silver lining to it all. And you're saving lives. You are saving thousands of lives. You're helping those people who so desperately want help. Um, I want to talk in a little bit about Carl's Law, but I'd also like to hear from Valerie. Um, I know that Valerie is an advocate, and she's also driver of Anthony's Act. Hi, Valerie. Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well. Would, would you please share a little bit of background about your son and, and kind of tell us his story? Sure. Um, Anthony was a loving, kind son, brother, grandson, nephew, cousin, and friend. He um, he always stood up for the underdog. Um, after he passed away, I had um, a few different young men call me and tell me stories of when, um, for example, one was in middle school and um, they were doing a project and no one wanted to be this boy's partner. And Anthony went up to him and said, don't you have a team or aren't you, don't you have a partner? And the boy said no. And Anthony said, well, then we're going to start our own team. Mm-hmm. And they were friends ever since. So he was always always rooting for the underdog and always tried to um, make friends with the person that didn't have friends or was was shy. Um, a good soul. Good, yes, yes, a good soul. And what was what was Anthony's addiction? Anthony's addiction started out with oxycotton. Okay. He started it out um, recreationally. Um, I'm assuming at a party and. Um, he fought a six-year battle. Four of those years, he was fighting Oxycontin. And in the last two, um, he switched to heroin because heroin was cheaper. Mm-hmm. When the Oxycontin pills became $30 a pill, um, he switched to heroin because you could get it for 5 or $10 a bag. And his overdose was due to an accidental heroin overdose. How old was he when he died? 
he um, passed when he was 24. Mm. Um, he passed away in our basement, and um, I found his body. And um, to reiterate what Marty said, it is the most gut-wrenching, awful, awful feeling when your child dies. And um, I'll never forget that day that I, that I found him. It, it's just something I can't erase from my mind. Did you have a support system, um, and this is actually directed to you both, Valerie and Marty, when your sons died, um, was this something where you had a support system or where the community came together and really tried to help you through this? Or was it something like a, you know, we're not going to talk about this, you know, like the, the whole stigma thing that, that is, is just as deadly because people don't want to talk about this or they don't see that individuals are much, much more than their addiction. Did you guys have a support system? Um, I didn't, I, I found Marty through another friend of ours, Jackie, who also lost his son. And I started with how to save a life pretty much right after my son died. So I've been on the board for over three years now. Um, and Marty and how to save a life has been my, um, my strength and my support system. And Marty, how about you? Did, did family and friends come together and, and build? No, No. not a back in 2006 where the epidemic was just <clears throat> starting off. Now, believe me, the ec- epidemic started off in 2006 because I was going, I was working closely with the FDA and FAMSA. I actually uh, testified against Ramoxie King Pharmaceutical to, um, they said they had a resistant proof oxycodone. <laughs> so, no, I was on my own. Um, I went to a couple grief shows at Calvary Chapel, but this was in the beginning of the epidemic. And I finally found a group called Helping America Reduce Methadone Death. And I became the vice president of that, and that was a national group. And we became big and quick. And we were a national group. We were traveling. Uh, I was taking the SL at least once a week to Washington to have bills passed. That's when Arlen Spector was still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with Justice um, Ted Kennedy, and we were all on board on changing the ways we look at addiction. Okay, we're going to talk more about that. We have to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Hang on, we'll be right back. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. Are you or a family member in need of a lawyer? Has someone you know been charged with a crime, injured in an accident, or through poor medical care, going through a divorce or child custody dispute? You need a lawyer with experience and credentials who will aggressively protect your rights. You need attorney Dave Akins. I know when my family and I needed legal help, we turned to Dave. So should you. Call 570-714-4001. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 855- 
1-800-799-2292. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Our guests today are Marty Huttenstein, the advocate. She is also the founder of Carl's Law. She's also the founder of the Save a Life Foundation. And this was um, her saving grace, actually, after the son, after the death of her son, Carl. We also have Valerie Fior with us. Uh, Valerie is an advocate and driver of Anthony's Act. They are both from the Philadelphia. Their story is absolutely gripping. Um, Jack, Crop, so, and I are, are just kind of looking at each other because the, the thought of losing a child, um, it, it, it's just, it's something that I can't wrap my, my, my head around or my heart around. And uh, what you've both done is to take your grief and your heartbreak and turn it into something that is, is truly saving the lives of other addicts. So thank you so much and God bless you. So Marty, back in 2006 when this happened, People didn't want to talk about it, did they? They wanted to ignore it. They wanted to ignore it. And I remember the first time I went to San that they had their first public meeting. And I went and I stood firm. And I said, one death is too many mm-hmm. and a thousand outrageous. Yeah. And, I, and I, Wesley Clark called Deb back and said, who is this woman? And they said, she is a mother who is full of we don't know, but she loves her child. And from then on, I devoted my life to helping others and the criminal acts that go behind addiction, like people prospering of other people's sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working on something right now I can't talk about, but um, there's a lot of that going on now. Right, and tell us so about I'm Carl's law. On a lot of different things. I work on putting people in treatment. We work on share group. We work on working with the homeless. We work on acts, walls and acts. Anthony's act is the biggest one right now. And um, I wanted to announce today on this show, this is the first time I'm announcing this. I am signing a lease today for a resource center in Havrel where people can come in and get the help and hope that they deserve. They Beautiful. deserve that. Beautiful. From us. Is that information that you can make available that we could put on our Facebook page, please? Yeah, I will give Jack the information. Okay. After well, Marty, that's pretty amazing because Sharing Recovery is doing the exact same thing here in the Wilkes-Barre area. We haven't told anybody this yet, but we're signing a lease hopefully in the next week or so and we will be doing the exact same thing. So I, I applaud you, and, and, and we can work together and take this message to the street. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about Carl's Law? Well, there was a few laws that came to pass when Carl died. And the first one, they had um, a task force, and that was in July 2007. I went to all the senators and I said, we need to study methadone and the way of the utilization of it for a treatment modality rather than a harm reduction. Mm-hmm. And we had a bunch of senators get together and I was on that task force um, 
the one who got that was Senator Greenlee. He passed that. And then in the midst of that, studying that, I found out when my son died, they wanted to brush that crime under the carpet of the kid who sold the methadone to my son. Mm -hmm. And in the crime code book, it said uh, malice, not reckless. When you sell drugs, it's malice or reckless. Are you guys following me? Or am I going? Yeah, no, no, keep going. We like, yeah, you're... Okay. So, in there, I said, are you kidding me? Like, this kid sold drugs to my son, methadone, and then continued to sell it after my son was dead. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. And you met a mother that was a bear. So, yes. <laughs> so, with that, I said, okay, here we go. So, then I started to study that. And I started to, started to study the crimes and the codes because... I was in my uh, graduate school. I was in my undergrad as um, a pre-law. So I got my crime book out, and it said, now it's not reckless. When someone sells drugs to someone and they die, you can't charge that because it's malice instead of reckless. Well, Bernie O'Neill from Warminster changed that word to reckless. Now people in in Pennsylvania, if you sell drugs and they die, you can go to jail for 40 years. How about 40 the, years. the guy that sold the drugs to your son? Did he ever get arrested and convicted? He, he got arrested for continue, continuing to sell methadone, but not for my son's death. But listen, Jack, you know by being in AA, I had to forgive him. Because mm -hmm. if I didn't forgive him, I was going to live a life full of hate. And I would eventually drink and died. Well. So the day that kid was sentenced, I stood next to him and asked the judge for him to have some kind of treatment while he was upstate. Where is that? Where is that dealer today? Is he in recovery? Uh, he's out on the street. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I firmly believe, and you actually said it already. Doctor Bob um, wrote a prescription. Mm -hmm. And and the second line in that prescription is trust God. Now that's easy to say. It's simple to say trust God. It's it's a lot harder to live that. But when you lose a son, I mean the first word that comes to your mind has to be why. And, mm -hmm. and I was told when I came to recovery that I had to take why out of my vocabulary. And learn how to say how. Well, so now yeah, how how do I trust God? in a situation like this and what is the message you're sending me God what is it you want me to do because my life has to be based on what God wants me to do for others it's not about me anymore I, I, I've had this tragedy but I can't live my life in that tragedy I've got to go forward now the next line in that prescription is help others and, and that is the basis of, of recovery for me is trusting God and helping others and that's what you're doing and for me, called God will do for you what you can't do for yourself is a promise in the big book, which is called race. And the promises come true. If you God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. If you are in the triangle in the circle of AA, you know the coin, unity, trust, all that. You're in this circle, and that makes you whole and complete. No matter what goes down, God will get you through anything. And that is the promises of AA. 
Okay. Ballard, then, when one staff of us, well, God will be there to carry us. How about Valerie? Tell us some of your story now and what's going on. Okay. Um, so a little over three years ago, Chris, my ex-husband, started a petition on moveon.org, which he named after Anthony. The Anthony Vack petition calls on Congress to enact federal legislation to provide for a minimum of 90-day inpatient drug or alcohol pro, uh, treatment. No more of this 7 to 28-day nonsense. Um, research does tell us that effective inpatient treatment leads to long-term sobriety and fewer relapses. Mm -hmm. And a 90-day residential drug rehab is suggested as the minimum length of time for effective treatment. Um, evidence has suggested that long-term treatment of a drug rehab facility can decrease the risk of drug addiction relapse by up to 73%. And up to 73%, that can mean the difference between addiction and recovery or even life and death. So, um, so far as of today, we have over 89,000 people who have signed the petition. And the petition can be found by Googling Anthony's Act and clicking on the moveon.org mm -hmm. link. I'm on it right now. It's it's a very good page. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say drug and alcohol abuse costs the United States eco economy between 300 and 500 billion annually, depending on whose numbers you use and what you count. But effective treatment can dramatically reduce these costs. So we can pay for treatment and we can give 90-day inpatient which will result in fewer deaths and will actually pay for itself, or we can just continue to pay more for increased crime and health care, continue to pay more to put people in jail instead of treatment, and live with more people dying who don't have to die. And that choice is ours to make. You know, it's, it's when you say that, though, um, people dying, people going to prison, um, is it... Is it still something that we don't want to talk about? Because Jack and I, pretty much in our discussions, always say, we all know an addict, you know, whether we know it or not or whether we want to admit it or not. But it is so rampant um, that mm -hmm. if, we're not, if we're not in recovery, um, we know someone who needs to be in recovery. But is it still something that is that dirty little secret that you don't want to talk about it because for some reason it makes you less than? Um, for me personally, it has never been a dirty little secret. Um, like I said, I had support from How to Save a Life, but my family and my friends were very, very supportive of me. And me personally, I never was looked down upon or I never had to, um, to go through, um, being stigmatized. Um, but, um, there are still, um, there are still like I'm on Facebook and with how to save a life and still say my child's name in my own page as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll still get that person that says, what do we have to pay for their, um, what do we have to pay for their rehab for? They're a junkie. They're the one who yeah. made the choice. Yeah. We, <laughs> we hear that, that too. We hear that. And we also hear, um, what are you guys doing? Having a show glorifying addicts. Well, that's not what we're doing. Um, what, this is not what we're doing at all. These are individuals who want to be better and they want to work hard in recovery. Mm -hmm. And anybody who makes that choice every single day when they wake up, they should be applauded and they should be encouraged. They should be applauded. And nobody, nobody ever said when I grew up I want to be an addict. Yeah. Nobody ever said that. 
this is a disease, and this has been this has been declared a disease. It's not a moral failure; it's a disease. Absolutely. We're going to talk more. Uh, we have to take another uh, break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Archstone Recovery you. Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 855- Eight nine nine two two nine two. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. If you or someone you know needs a lawyer, what should you look for? Excellence, experience, integrity. Attorney Dave Akins has all of those qualities. Whether it's a criminal case, a personal injury matter, medical negligence, or a divorce, Dave will fight for you. I know from personal experience. Call 570-714-4001. This is WYLK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet Buick GMC. Online at SherwoodChevrolet.com. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. I'm Jack, and welcome back, everyone. Marty, what what are some of the things that you have planned for the near future? 2018, um, the resource center is huge. It's my dream. Um, Tell us about that in detail. I want to hear about your resource center. What's it going to do? Okay, well, it's going to be on the main street strip of Hatboro. And it's going to do two things. First, it's going to show that we are out here. And we're not going away. Excellent. And we are going to be there for the parent or the person who suffers from this disease. And they'll be able to walk in the door with no charge. We will be self-supporting through our own contribution. Yep. It's a 5013C? Absolutely. Good. And I've been for 11, 10 years now. Okay. So you walk in the center, Jack. I kind of want to, I want you to picture this. So you walk in the center, and on one side of the wall will be a memorial wall. And on the other side of the wall will be a recovery. And I will do interventions because I have a master's degree in psychology, like I told you from LaSalle. Yeah. So I will be able to do interventions in a place that's safe where I'll be able to guide somebody who doesn't know how to go through the steps of getting into, into treatment like my child. Or we'll have some family meetings. We'll do a Narcan training. It'll be a center where people can go to understand this disease does not have to kill people. This disease, when treated, people can thrive and achieve recovery. 
Right. So you're gonna There's you're gonna take this right out right to the street and open the doors and say, "Come on in." And Absolutely. If you're in recovery, come on in and chat. If you're not in recovery, come in and learn about recovery. If you're a family member, come in and sit down and we'll talk to you. If you need yeah. help, we're going to find you a spot because that's what I do on a daily basis. I don't care if you have insurance, you don't have insurance, you, you want to go to trip, you want to go away, you want to go to a, an outpatient. I will find you a program that works for you because somebody, you have to start somewhere. You have to, yeah. you have to surrender and start somewhere. Yes, and we want to be the one, when they come, we want to be the one to guide them all the way through and let them know that they're not doing this walk alone. Mm, it's so important. Because being alone is the antidote of the addiction staying alive. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got back in 1987, I felt alone. I was clearly alone. My girlfriend was murdered. My husband was murdered. That's the way I got into AA. And I was alone. My parents didn't want anything to do with me. Um, it was scary. And I went to AA and they became my family. They became my teachers. They became my mentor. They became my believers, my cheerleaders. And that's what I want to offer. That recovery is possible. And the addiction's a liar. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a passion for recovery because I know that there's a better way of life, regardless of what happens to me. Well, you See, right. if I drank or drug after Carl died or after I got my face kicked off by a horse, it would just make things worse. And what people don't know is that they need to learn other coping mechanisms rather than defense mechanisms. And I will be gladly to teach people that. You know what, well, Marty, I, I hear people talk about why they relapsed, as you do, all the time. And, you know, they say, oh, this happened or, oh, that happened. And then, you know what, I've been through a few things since I stopped drinking. You know, I, I've been to prison twice. My grandson died. I, I've been bankrupt three times, all sober. But I didn't have to drink. I mean, there was no way um, that that drinking was going to make it any better. I mean, that that's... If you want to drink, you're going to drink. If you want to recover, you're going to recover. And how do we do that? By following a simple program that's set out for us and by following the examples of people like you and I and other people that have continuous long-term sobriety that are strong in recovery. And that's, that's the message we have to take. The message we have to take is it is possible. Don't, I mean, every life happens. Life is going to continue to happen, but it doesn't mean that you have to drink or use. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous taught me. I had to be taught that. That was not something that was instilled in me. Right. That was taught. That was taught by the wonderful people that sat with me until 3 a.m. in the morning. I went into drink every day for two years. Those people at sobriety groups sat with me until 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning until the bars closed. Well, I had to learn how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for my child. Aww. I had to learn how to bathe him. I had to learn everything. I was a little girl. I got sober at 21 years old. Can you imagine? No, I can't. At 12 years old, I was drinking. By the time I was 16, I was out of the house. Wow. 
Well, and, and that's it. We don't have life skills when we're in addiction. No. And, and that's part of what we can teach through a recovery center. People can come in and talk about that. People can walk in and say, I- I've been sober six months. I don't know how to get on the bus. I don't I, know how to balance a checkbook. I don't know how to balance or, a checkbook. Yeah. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to apply for a job. People that, that are new in recovery don't have any life skills, and they need that help, and they're not getting them. In a 28-day treatment program, they're not getting those skills. They're getting walked in the front door. They're getting the treatment that's offered, and then it's time to go home. And then home what? to what? Yeah. How do I find an apartment? How do I find a, a, a sober place to live that's safe? That's a good place. What do you throw a, a, a dart at the wall and hope you get the right place? That's what a program that's on the street, with its doors open to the community, can offer. Those those services. Yeah, Jeff. I I really. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I just got the push. Um, I've been praying a lot, and um, I'm putting everything on the line for this. So um, I, I want to thank my husband, Eric Moser. I never changed the name because my son died three weeks after I was married. But he's behind me and allowing me to basically liquidate everything to do this. Wow. And you're putting the ultimate to, faith, though, and it's going to pay off. Well, right. I don't want to pay off. It's going to pay off by off. it's going to pay off by saving okay. lives. Right. It's not going to pay off in dollars. It's going to pay off in in how you help so many people with their recovery. I want to know at the end of my life, seriously, and I don't want to get corny or too deep with you, but I am at the end of my life, and I lay next to my son in his name. I want to know that I've exhausted every talent and everything I could in the name of God and in my children and show them that you don't have to be defined by life and that God will carry you when you're weak and can't walk. Well, and God provides people to do just that. God has people everywhere to carry his message. And that, again, I come, I always come back to Dr. Bob's prescription. If, yeah, if I'm trusting it. God to take care of me, then I can help somebody else. And, and that's the dichotomy of that message. I don't have to worry about me because somebody else is worrying about me while I'm worrying about somebody else. And, it, mm-hmm. it, and it's the circle of recovery. It's the circle that says somebody has always got your back. And that's what people need to learn, that that, that, that is the case, that... And, and right, a recovery center, you open those doors, that's what happens. You start to tell people, look, we, we're here. We're a resource for you to ask your questions. So, And that you have value. No matter what you're going through in your life, no matter if you're, if you're newly addicted, if you've been addicted for a decade, if you're new into recovery, whatever, you have value as a person. Yeah, not allowing your addiction to determine who you are. Yeah. And, and people and have to learn they don't have to suffer alone. Nobody's alone in this world if they if they want to step up and say, I need help. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, and it sounds so simple. But as an addict, it's not simple. But you just got to get that one moment of, of courage and say, I need help. I need help. And then you're surrounded by help. Well, you know how they say in the big book, we have the spiritual awakening and a psychic change. And those two, when they collide, you know, life, life begins. And I want to see the 
best thing I've ever seen since my son has passed away is when I see someone that has been broken and then I see them and they flourish and they become this new beautiful spirit and I find the true authentic self Mm-hmm. that the addiction masked for years, yeah. multiple years, and they become this beautiful person. And that, I tell my, I, I run the groups over at Thor Inc., and I tell them, you can't live in the dark. You have to live in the light. And you can't do things that are going to feed the addiction. You have to do things that will feed the recovery. And that's what people need to learn, too. You trust God you clean house, and you help others. Absolutely. And that's our antidote. We need to take one last break for this show. Please hang on. We'll be right back. Attorney Dave Akins has been practicing law for 23 years. He has successfully represented thousands of clients in cases ranging from multi-million dollar personal injury and medical malpractice claims to criminal cases to divorces. When I've needed legal guidance, I called Dave Akins. So should you. 570-714-4001. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 855- 899-2292. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins are back on the ice in Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen to all the action on the Penguins' flagship station, WILK News Radio. And he scores! Listen for your chance to win a family four-pack of tickets all season long. Brought to you by Ram Trucks. From towing to hauling, work or play, Ram will power you through it. See your Ram dealer or log on to RamTrucks.com. Guts. Glory. Ram. Catch every goal, save, and bone-crunching hit on WILK News Radio. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back. We're in our final segment of Sharing Recovery for this week. Valerie, I want to talk to you a little bit more about Anthony. Um, he died following a six-year battle, okay? It was opioid and, and heroin addiction. But he had three unsuccessful short-term treatment programs. Now, um, each lasted le- less than 30 days. And they were less than 30 days because that's all the insurance would pay for. Is that correct? I would say for me, like for me, just for, like, we're having a technical Hello, problem. Valerie? Yes. Oh, hi there. Um, we were talking about um, asking if you could tell us a little bit more about Anthony. Um, 
his treatments. He had three unsuccessful short-term treatment programs, and that was because okay. insurance. Insurance basically dictated, well, you're going to get better within this time or that's it. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. He went to his first one, um, his first rehab was in Florida. That was 21 days. The second one was in Pennsylvania, and that was only seven days. And um, they just detoxed him, and we didn't have any insurance, so they made him leave. And the third one was 28 days, also in Pennsylvania. And he had dual diagnosis by this time. He was diagnosed with depression. And I begged them the last place to keep him longer. I said, he has a dual diagnosis. That means he qualifies for longer than 28 days. Right. And they said to me that that's all, that's all my insurance would pay for. So he did three unsuccessful short-term treatment programs. Um, and um, I, I, I feel to this day that if Anthony's act had been in place and he had a good, solid 90-day of inpatient treatment, that he would be alive today. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Yeah, and each, each time that he went to treatment, short-term treatment, basically, less than 28 days, 28 days or less, and then it's, okay, there you go. Go ahead, you're cured. Right. Go, go. And then what? What were the resources? What are the resources available to Anthony or, or, or to Carl or to anyone else who is... When they came out, when Anthony came out, they put him on a three-day-a-week IOP, that's um, intensive outpatient, but it was three days a week only. So yeah. you think, what's the person doing the other four days of the week? Right. Um, so so the 90-day needs to be um, inpatient and then, and then IOP and then um, intensive outpatient and um, follow-up. I mean, you just don't put them in for 28 days and then send them out with a three-day IOP to fend for themselves the other four days. It needs to be um, more, um, there needs to be more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There needs to be more, they, they have to have- There has to be more structure. There has to structure, yeah. Valerie, I, I'm going to break some anonymity here. Um, my daughter, who I'm not breaking her anonymity, she's been on this show as a guest. She went to two short-term treatment programs, and as she completed the second one, the treatment center came to us, her mother and I, and said, she needs a longer-term program if she has any chance of recovering. And we sent her to a program in Maine, and uh, she spent eight months in that program in Maine. And I'm probably going to start crying because in a couple of weeks, she'll be two years clean. That's so, great. So, That's I, so I fully great. agree with you that that, and I fully understand that. By the grace of God, we were in a position to do that. We didn't need the insurance to send her to Maine, but that—that's us. Not everybody's in that position, but because yeah. and, and and you know what? When they told me that, I, I got to tell you the truth, Valerie. When that treatment center said to me, she needs to go to Maine and she needs to spend some time there, and they suggested a minimum of ninety days. Even though I do this every day of the week, I do this for a living, I work in this field, my first reaction was, no, my kid doesn't need that. And I had, uh-huh. to, and I had to step back and say, look, I can't treat my own child. And I had to follow somebody else's suggestion. And by the grace of God, she went there. I didn't like the woman that ran the program. I didn't like the facility. And I drove away with tears in my eyes because I said, God must have a plan and this must be it for my daughter. Uh-huh. And, and, and my daughter is thriving today and, and is doing exceptionally well. So I do That's agree crazy. with you that you, you can't, this 
treating a, a, a young person that has an opiate addiction isn't the same as treating a 60-year-old man that's an alcoholic. They're different. And we, have, uh-huh. to, and we have to have different modalities for, uh-huh. different, for different situations. So uh, yeah. I, I applaud what you're trying to accomplish. I really do. Thank you. Um, Anthony's Act is more than just a petition. It's actually, it's a movement. It's, an, it's a movement seeking to make long-term treatment a reality for every person suffering with SUD who needs it. And um, How to Save a Life and I are working for passage of state and federal legislation to require health insurance carriers to pay for a minimum of 90 days. Um, and I just pray that this goes through. And How I far along is this? Well, we're going to Harrisburg next month. Um, to, to testify? We're, we're going to work with Jean D. Geralamo. And um, that's about as much as I can say at this point. Okay. All right, and, and what do you, besides Harrisburg, what else is on, on your plate, Valerie, for the upcoming 2018? Well, um, we're having a fundraiser. We do have fundraisers throughout the year um, to try to raise money for how to save a life. We're having a big uh, bingo fundraiser on February the 16th. Um, also, oh, oh, I wait a minute. Did you say a bingo fundraiser? A bingo fundraiser. Ooh. Yeah. B-I-N-G-L. Cool. <laughs> um, and also, um, we go to Kensington every other Saturday with How to Save a Life to Feed and Clothe the Homeless. I'm a big part of that. Uh, we started to Still Say My Child's Night, Still Say My Child's Name uh, Facebook page. And um, I run a grief share with another mom, Jackie. Um, wow. And we do that the first and third Mondays of the month, and that's for those that lost anyone, any loved one to addiction, um, to be able to come and share their story and share their their um, their loved one. Can I ask you a question? Uh, I, because I've seen you guys with them on, in pictures. What are the care bags that you give away? Uh, Marty, are you... Can you Jack? Uh, yeah. I'm going to take over on that because I'm the cooker. Gotcha. <laughs> I cook, we cook food, we give hot food, oh. we give hot food out. Um, sometimes, like, Lori Durst Parker made the chili, that was delicious. So we give hot chili out, we give um, soup out, um, lasagna, ham, a ham meal. On holidays, we give out turkeys from Broken Wings. And Jim Prochowski, they donate them for Thanksgiving and the hands for Christmas. Um, so Broken Wings and Jim Prochowski, our, um, one of our head directors for the food, he gets all the food donated to us. But we want to give hot meals out during the winter. And will you do that same thing out of the recovery center when you open it? The recovery center will be access to treatment. We will have, um, hopefully, a food pantry that people can come once a week. And there'll be meetings. There'll be different types of meetings. Now, I'll be able to do, to do a parent meeting since, you know, of the position I have mm-hmm. and my credentials. But we want to start an MA meeting for Medicaid assistant treatment. And that's really important because... They, there's not enough support for those, that kind of treatment modality and those people. And I tell my patients, because I do work at 
a methadone clinic two days a week that to go and get a recovery support network. And yeah. what happens is when they walk in the room, they are shunned and stigmatized mm-hmm. due to the modality treatment they are taking. And let me tell you, Jack, I want to tell you this. All that's being offered right now when people go seek treatment is medication assistance treatment because Governor Wolf put money out and it all went to medicated treatment assistance uh, for treatment, medicated assistance treatment. None of it went for absent dates. You know, by reading about me, I'm very into the government and what they're doing and changing government rules and regulations and laws. So these people go in there, all they can get is they methadone, Vivitrol, Suboxone, and AA. I'm an AA, and when I, before I knew all this, I would shun someone because I didn't know better. But we can't shun people because people are dying beyond the epidemic proportion. It's skyrocketing these deaths, and we can't turn people away from no, and we also know that isolation kills. I mean, the, the, the whole thing right. with isolation. And Marty, how are you going to get the word out? How are people going to know on the streets or, or wherever they are about your, your resource center? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I don't know how they found me back in 2007, but they did. Okay. I had done that. And like I said, we helped over 5,000 people, and I've never marketed or advertised. So... Great I want to tell you network. Yeah. We as addicts are the smartest people, and we find our resources. I love sure. you guys. Thank, Thank you, you guys. so much, Marty and Valerie. Thank Next you so week, much. Next week, Scott Constantini from the Right Center will be our guest. Beautiful. Have a great week. Thank you for listening.